tell me about the new wallpaper. Oh, the new wallpaper. You did, you did not waste your love ever. I don't know, but people are so afraid to admit when they feel something that sometimes you think that your love that you gave them when, like, it's gone to waste. But it's, it doesn't, I don't know, it's, I don't want it to stop me from loving, even if it's for a night. But, do you understand that though. for me, as a voice geek, <laughs> looking at you up on stage singing your own words, proudly, strongly saying, this is who the mm. fuck I am, look at me, that's felt this the and ultimate, you know, using your power through your voice, using your voice as your superpower. Musically, rhythmically, speaking your truth. You're not a, a cover queen. That's not your thing. You're an artist in your own right. The more honest I am in my songs, the easier it is for me to sing them because the easier people connect and I've learned that the hard way. That's, that's the quote. What you have just said right now, that's the quote. That's Lila. You know, the girl who jumps in and does the hard thing and lives in her truth. That's amazing, Lila Elling. Speaking of names and expressing, in, in, well, not individuality, but rather identity, like just hearing you say Lila Elling because, you know, it's been like, it's only been since I've had to, I've only had to use my, my name, um, Talia Lewis. Um, again, it's the first time in like four or five years that I've had to use it when I was applying to go abroad now because I've had to use it for my documentation. But it's just been such a reminder of like remembering when I decided to change my name and the power in it um, and how it gave me confidence. And it was like, I, I was like, um, I was feeling like. I don't want people in the entertainment industry, the first time they meet me, they meet a Talia, Talia Lewitz. I want them to, I want my name to sound like a name that carries some sort of energy and power. And I don't want them to think, oh, this is an Afrikaans girl. And I'm, I've been denying that I'm Afrikaans for the longest time because of what I believe goes with it, people's perceptions. And... Now, I mean, being being called Lila Elling has been so natural and normal for the last couple of years. But now having to do my paperwork and see Talia and all that, you know, it's a good reminder of how things have changed. And that, I, I mean, it's looking back, I mean, I was like 19 and I, was, I just decided life's too short for people to know me as Talia. I don't want to be known like that. <laughs> I'm going I'm to call myself Lila. And it's... Yeah, it's um I think people must think I'm fucking crazy for when they hear that I changed my name, you know, and they're like why? I think people in the entertainment industry understand it more but a lot of people don't. And so my family still still call me Talia but it's only been like in the last year that 
like my brother was he tagged me on Facebook or, or something where he mentioned me and for the first time he he said Lila and I also remember the first time my sister introduced me to her friends as Lila because she always made a point of making me feel like I'm crazy for wanting to change my name and I'm throwing away my identity and where I come from. Oh, that's the fucking point. I don't want to be reminded. I don't want to be reminded of the Lewitz in me. Like, that's what I've been wanting to put away and I'll deal with it when I'm ready to. And, but I, I remember the first time that she introduced me as Lila and as much as I, I I try to be hardcore about it and act like I don't care, it meant the world to me. But she acknowledged it and she let me be. So we had a the start of a of a very interesting conversation when you talk about being reminded of being Talia Lewitz. Mm -hmm. And I said to you, because um, we we were talking about a really good friend well, a particularly good friend of yours, but a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. And I said to you, isn't she Afrikaans? Or oh, I know, I said to you, what did I say? Is, She's from Bloemfontein. Is, yeah, is she Afrikaans? Yeah, is she English, Afrikaans? Yeah. And, um, and you said, no, absolutely, she's Afrikaans. And I said, yeah, well, I thought so. So, but you guys, I mean, you guys, you guys are close. You go away together. So you've been staying at her house. So... Are you speaking English to each other, or are you two Afrikaans girls? For, for the longest time, we were speaking English to each other in the office, at gigs, if I'm visiting. And eventually she went, aren't we both Afrikaans? And then I go, yeah, but don't tell anyone. And, <laughs> and then I carried on the conversation in English. Um, and then, um, I've, yeah, well, I've actually gotten to meet her family, and they speak Afrikaans at home, and sometimes she would Skype with them, and... And I just, I kept on hearing, you know, the Afrikaans expressions and th that I grew up with and, and, and just the, the, the way of being able to express yourself in your mother tongue, it was a reminder for me. And it sort of just, um, it used to, it, it used to embarrass me to speak Afrikaans. I used to feel like, um, I don't know, there's, I don't, I don't know what it is that, that, um, gave me that mental block, but I think, I think it goes much deeper to me. I think it goes back to, you know, not liking what I grew up with in terms of family values and the Afrikaans way of life. And But but then um, there just came a point came a point where I started speaking to an Afrikaans back and um, I think she she's um she would speak in Afrikaans and I would reply in English and the same with my siblings when we speak over the phone they are they are speaking Afrikaans I'm speaking English and actually two weeks ago my sister phoned me and I had a conversation with her in Afrikaans the whole way through the whole phone call and it was only when I put the phone down when I realized holy fuck I just had a whole conversation in Afrikaans I I don't even know how I remember all those words and so eventually we Yvette and I are. Oh no, whether, whether we at the office or at the shops or at home, that's now, it's now, now it's back to Afrikaans and now it feels nice to be, to be reminded that, you know, what it feels like to express yourself in your mother tongue. Wow. And that's I, I that's feel, powerful. Yeah, I don't feel that embarrassed to, I used to, 
she she always says to me she always says to me stop faking it because when at first when I started speaking Afrikaans again you could hear that English twang because it sound, sounded like I'm a real soty trying to speak Afrikaans again and I wouldn't do it in front of other people and I found myself like in the last two weeks at the office when I see her I go um hello what gebeur or yeah what now or whatever and and people would turn around and they were surprised that I'm speaking Afrikaans firstly and secondly like are we chatting away and you know um and it sort of happened subconsciously that I just felt okay again in my skin and speaking Afrikaans that is uh, that's super powerful the the idea of feeling feeling comfortable in your skin and I'm sure that your friendship and the opportunity to, as you say, express yourself in your mother tongue has made you feel really, really at home. It, it definitely does give you, yeah. It, it, and you know, another thing is um, my, my dad, who I haven't spoken to in eight years, um, I, I believe he knows that I changed my name. Um, because he's still close with, close with my siblings, but you know he doesn't know all of me because obviously it's been eight years, and you know I've I've wanted to call him, I've had this urge to call him in like in in the last year, and you know like never mind all the shit that that I'm thinking about of how we're supposed to get past our differences and where to start the conversation. That was like. That was secondary. the The biggest thing on my mind was how do I say, "Hello, Pod is Dahlia," because that feels wrong. It doesn't feel like me. I feel like I'm gonna say, "Hi, Dad, it's Lila," and he's gonna he's gonna say, "Who the fuck is Lila?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's 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 the t- that's the title of this chapter. Who the fuck is Lila? That, that's it. That's perfect. And I couldn't get myself to pick up the phone and 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 say hello in Afrikaans. And call myself by my by my biological name or my birth name, and you know it's been that was one of the biggest challenges about actually picking up the phone and calling him, and I think wow. like because it was it it felt like it was gonna go against everything that that I've stood for in the last couple of years. Um, so, are you saying to me that on one hand? The sense of being able to express yourself in your mother tongue gives you comfort, uh, a feeling of nostalgia. Obviously, when you were probably most exposed to Afrikaans would have been as a very small girl. And that obviously was when your mom was around, mm. which was happy for you, really, really happy memories of your mom. So there's kind of that comfort, nostalgia home thing about it but there's another side of you that you've worked so hard Mm. to kind of build your a unique identity of somebody who you feel you can relate to and aspire to being and invest in and she's not Talia Lewitz she's Lila Illing she's a she's a 
an identity of your creation that you get to control her look, her sound, her feel, her her destiny. Yeah, as crazy as crazy as it sounds, it's if you call it, you know, what it is, it's it's two two identities, but it's not what I meant for it to be. Sure, 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 sure. It's um it's also just sort of happened and it's it's like I put Talia away because Talia was um you know, um the the, the person who, who held on to the abuse, who held on to people's opinions and who held on to feeling like, um, you know, less because when I pronounced when I moved to Joburg I said on Dakish Road and people would go what are you talking about on Decker's Road? <laughs> and I felt embarrassed. Um, and and you know sometimes people would make jokes because they are trying to make conversation. And um, you know I spent some time in the vol um, in high school. And you know so people would 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 try and make a ba- it was banter. It wasn't supposed to make me feel less worthy, but I couldn't help but feel that way. Okay. And it was. So letting go of Talia and Afrikaans was like saying, um, it doesn't matter where I came from. No one has to know that I grew up in Shishiri or Sudwana or that I was born in Richards Bay um, or that I've been in the Vol. And, you know, um, I, I kind of hid that away. And I was just Lila, who is in Joburg right now. Um, wow. Who, it helped a lot that I lived with an English family when I was all pairing that definitely helped um, with, I think, just the accent and the use of the language, even though I'm not completely there yet, and I still would like to even study further or go to classes or be tutored or something along those lines, because I do want to still find a way to express myself in English the way I used to be able to in Afrikaans. did your folks know they were raising a little rock star? I think my mom knew somewhere deep inside, you know. She only knew me and for, for the 10 years we had together. Um, and, you know, I think my siblings expressed, they felt like when I when I changed my name, they were feeling like, um, they just felt like it was wrong because, you know, it's, it's your parents gave it to you, you should honour that. And, and yeah, it's just not... Even I, I feel like my mom would have embraced it. I don't feel like she would have taken it personally. Um, but I, I think the, 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 the voices in my head um, from when I was a teenager and you know having like a, an abusive stepmom, like of being verbally abused, and you know those, it, it does become the voice in your head, and um, and I think it's just one of the voices who, who told. Talia, that you're never going to be anything, and when, you, when you're when 18, you're on your own. We don't care if you've got talent. You, if you want to be in university, if you want to go to university, you'll make your own way. Um, and, you know, whatever the story was, um, but that I, I was, I feel like I was told that I'd never make it, and that I don't matter, you know, and... And I'm not, you know, the only person who's gone through it. And you don't have to change your name to overcome it. But somewhere along the lines, I just... I think people who know me, there are, there are a, few, a handful of friends from high school who, who, who's, who's gone 
through this with me who got to know Talia and now know, knows Lila and they've completely embraced it and it's not it's not like an alien thing for them to call me Lila now. I think at first it must have been a, a hell of a like what the fuck moment. Um, but so having those friends that went through it with me makes me feel that yes I'm still the I'm, I'm still the deep down inside me that it's still me you know but but things did change for me when when I decided to to be someone else, to have a different identity and to speak life into that. But as as for Talia, I think it was more of um it's it's a little, it's it's hard to pinpoint it but it's something that I wanted to forget because it just it made me feel like it defined me. It defined me people here, people you say Hi, my name is Talia, and then, or Talia Lewitz, I think the Lewitz part is more like, you know, the part that when people go, okay, she's Afrikaans, okay this, okay that, and... So, clearly you feel um, that, that there's a particular set of baggage around being labelled as Afrikaans. Mm. What do you feel that baggage is specifically is it is it tradition is it ideology is it identity what what do you how would you define it um i think i think it it, it comes i think it comes more from my perception about how i think Afrikaans people are perceived because you know um i think um it comes from when I was when when I when I, well, I grew up Afrikaans and when I was exposed to living with an English family, I felt like they were a lot more open-minded, very different culturally. Even though us, are we all we are like um, we were you know all Caucasians. It it was a cultural, it was a language thing. It was a it was a it's just like they were they were different. They were open-minded. They were more worldly. Whereas with where I grew up with a close minded family who who brought me up to, to believe that, that people of colour won't go to heaven and that well they were very racist and you know, I mean, nature versus nurture and to each their own and I know that they when I look back I feel like they just don't know better and so I can't I can't just hold it against them but I can choose to not want to be associated with it um so for me it was it's 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 a lot more personal than just saying it's just about the language but it's it's about what I experienced with the group of Afrikaners that I was brought up with um did you always feel different or or did or did something happen that kind of caused you to change your mind or what why why do you think you're different in that in that belief set? I I always I always knew I wanted to change my name because I always wanted to be a rock star, <laughs> whatever that means when you grow up, you know, because um it's it's not as easy as you think it's gonna be, but so but but that is something I knew from from a young age. Um, I think that 
you know you know like we we've also spoken about religion and i've also been exposed to i've been exposed to having to believe that black people won't go to heaven then after that i was exposed to full-blown christianity and finding god and i was one of the i was singing in the church band but do you know what the only reason i was going to church was because they put me on a stage and and i'm honest enough to say that to you know you know but 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 i can appreciate why people hold on to religion because when i was going through a really tough time in my in my teens um i it was something i held on to because i didn't have it it was a connection for me it was something to hold on to and it was something for me to go okay well i'll be okay because you know i believe that i'm gonna be okay because god says so or whatever the case mm. was and you know looking back it's it was i feel like i got through certain things because i told myself to believe what i believed in does is not relevant it was the fact that i believed that i was going to be you know okay we'll get through it um but you know what i'm coming to is i am um, i was told to believe a lot of things growing up even with my mom as, as dearly as you know that will always be to my heart you know yes she it's weird because she she brought me up of course she, she was trying to instill beliefs in me but she she didn't make me feel forced it didn't feel like it was forced um whereas with my dad it was definitely forced but either way i feel like i've been told to be a certain person and believe certain things and live by certain ideals from for as long as I can remember and and I remember from a very young age making up my own mind and being I remember writing about how I see different situations or um or if I've had an experience I'd write about it and it wasn't it wasn't absolutely crazy things people think that i was this rebel when i was a teenager i wasn't i was very introvert very big introvert and i was actually a really good girl <laughs> and you know people don't think that about me when they know me now but i remember you know being 13 14 and and just writing about how i experienced a certain friendship or such situation and i remember my dad going through my things and telling me that it's not okay for me to write and I don't understand where that comes from but I remember being discouraged to write and express myself and you know do you think that that was a desire to somehow contain you and your emotions or do you think it was because of the contents of what you wrote that he that it was distasteful to him somehow i think it was a bit of both and if you ask me now what my 13 year old self wrote i won't be able to tell you because i can't sure. remember but you know it must have been something that didn't sit right with them um but you know i don't know maybe i don't know maybe he thought he was protecting me against myself um because i know that i'm an overthinker so I don't, I don't know what the motives were but but I know that I've I've always been discouraged to think for myself and it's mm. something that I fought and I remember being I was I was 15 years old when my stepmom who's delusional was 
she was always trying to kick me out of the house because she'd already had her kids, they'd already grown up. And I can understand that she wanted her own time now and she never asked for my mom to die and now to be stuck with, you know, with Talia. And she didn't want another kid. And unfortunately, that's just bad. It was just bad luck for me. And, and she would find ways and she would find reasons to fight with me, even though I truly believe I'm a really accommodating person and, and that I never really meant to, you know, make. I don't, I don't, I, I didn't used to fight back or be a brat or, you know, break rules or shit. And I, I could never understand why they had a problem with me in the first place because. Cause actually I'm just actually a very chill person but they, there was a point where she was always just um saying that you know if I it goes deep but she would try and and kick me out of the house and she'd always threaten me with you know um, um, you know letting me go to an orphanage she'd be like you know what if you're not gonna live the way we want you to then you can't be here, and it happened a few times, and she was also physically abusive, and my dad knew it, and he he would he would come to me when she wasn't around and apologize for it, but he he did, still didn't fix the problem. He he was an enabler, for, and you know, so when I was fifteen, I, I remember she um she got physical again, and she said to me, you know, um, she wants me out of the house. And for the first time, I think I think that's the first time I actually really hurt myself because I'd always just shut up and cry and let her say what she needs to say. Um, and I think it comes from her anger. I don't think it's a reflection of who I was. But it took me a very long time to realize that. But for the first time, I said to her, okay, well, maybe I'll be better off there. I think I might be better off at an orphanage. So cool, let me get my bag. And I started packing my shit. And she chucked it out on the floor and she went and got black bags. And she said to me, that's how you'll leave my house, in black bags. And um, my dad was, um, my dad said to me, you know what, I think it's better for you to not be around her. Um, but yet again, he didn't address the problem. And I've been out of the house ever since. And I, and I felt, I truly felt like, do you know what? I'd rather than fucking live on the street and try and become some band's fucking roadie. I don't give a shit how I'm gonna eat, sleep, or what. And um, my life changed since that moment. And um, it took me a long time to make peace with like how shit happened and 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 feeling like it was never my fault. It took me a long time to to feel like the abuse that I suffered was wasn't to do with me but it you know she had her own shit and sort of reflection of who I am um and Yves is one of the people she's one of the people who I've told the story to and she we got we got a little tipsy the other night and um I think she wanted to stay up late and I had to work the next morning and I said to her listen just go to bed like I'm going to bed I've got an early morning and and um, she was saying to me, she was making a joke saying, bro, you're failing, you're failing, you're an amateur, having to go to sleep, I'm going to go and get a black bag now. And she was making a reference to my stepmom and I let it go, but it, but that ripped me apart because, you know, I've, it, it totally just took me back to, to, to feeling like, 
if like someone is some some I'm I'm like um um what's the word like I'm um disposable yeah it's, yeah it's disposable and I'm just in someone's way again and the next day I said to her, I said to her, um oh we were just talking about the previous night and then. I said to her, you know what, that was really fucked up, but we were laughing about it, and I was like, and she's like, I'm sorry, I didn't think that would, that would hurt you, you know, and, and I said to her, no, it actually, it, it actually, I was lying awake, it was really hurting me, and it was really bugging me, and she felt like shit, and apologized, and, but, but, but through talking about it, and addressing it, it, now it's a standing joke, whenever, whenever, um, she's keen to go out, and I'm like, no, or, you know, whatever the situation is, it's a standing joke now when she goes, I'm going to go and, get, go and get a black bag. And, and it's refreshing to be able to laugh about it. Even though, yes, deep down inside, it'll always, like, um, yes, you know, the memory is still there. But it's a friendship that has allowed me to make light of situations and and own them. And be like, yeah, well, I, I mean, it happened. I've been told to fucking put my shit in a black bag and leave. It happened, but look where I'm now. And I don't know, so it's, I think, you know, I don't know, like leaving the language and the name behind was like leaving a whole life behind.